Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. This is universal. It's unavoidable. Everyone goes through it. You've experienced it in your past. Some may be going through it right now. And we'll all experience it in the future. Most resist it. Sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's not. But regardless of our feelings towards it, it's a part of life. What I'm referring to is change. Change is happening all around us, to ourselves, our families and friends, to our cities and to our world. Some change is great. We fall in love, we get married, have kids. We buy homes, we find jobs, opportunity and success. This change feels amazing. It's like a roller coaster that you actually want to ride. But not all change is like that. Change can also be hard, really hard. Change can feel like a storm that has no end, like endless waves that just keep crashing and crashing down. It can feel like a weight so heavy that you find it hard to carry on, or like a wind so destructive that it rips apart everything we thought we knew and felt safe with and makes it unrecognizable. So how do you respond? How should we respond? How do you get through our storms? How do you live, even thrive, within change? Hope. We need something strong. We need something constant firm, and secure, an unchanging hope in an ever-changing world. We need to be anchored. Well, good morning, guys. It's pretty awesome. I am excited to get into this this morning with you all. Um, I've got to be honest with you, this series um, brought up just a lot of different things within my heart, things that I've dealt with over my life, and it's when we talk about change and we talk about um, difficulty, or we, we go through these storms, and some people just get tossed back and forth, and they're emotional, and they're just, they get yanked here and there, and and it just seems to me like some people just don't have anything to grab onto. And so that's why, as Christians, we know that he's the rock, right? He's the rock that we base our entire lives off of. He's our foundation for everything. But he's our anchor. He's our strong tower. And... Um, this series, you, know, you heard how Mark brought it up that there's going to be all kinds of things that they do come. You, some of you might be experiencing change right now. 
Um, I know we are. <laughs> In this campus, we're going through a lot right now as leadership and as a congregation. We're going to be making a move from this location to another location. And, and w- though we have loved using this facility, uh, we are in the midst of planning right now to make a move. And it's going to be uh, fun. And I mean that in- <laughs> seriously. It's going to be fun because I think a lot of times when, when we go through seasons of change, we get all stirred up and we don't know what to do, what to do with ourselves. We, we lose this... Um, kind of, people tend to get insecure in the process of change. But that's why who we are means so much for us to understand who we're also connected to. God, who is the beginning and the end and who knows exactly where you are and who you are in him. For us to come to that realization, that's, that's the journey. The end, you're done. You, that's, that's the end of our life. Like When we come to the end of our life and we realize that through this whole process, he has been taking us on a journey. And all the change that we experience is only part of his plan for us to become more like him and also for us to become strong men and women of character. Now, we're going to be discovering that God's promises are true. God's promises are true. Or, that God does not lie. Amen? I think sometimes we forget that. I want to share with you a little story uh, from... I was trying to think back, you know, change and all, and it's like I feel like my life is constantly changing. Uh, I mean, I'm in that, that period of life, too, where I've got two boys that are growing so fast, and you're trying to adjust with the growth, and my, you know, where you live now, you was great when you were, you know, single, or, or not even single, but like married and, and without kids, and then you throw the kids into the mix, and it's like, oh my goodness gracious, you know, uh, two bedrooms becomes impossible to function in. And uh, anyways, first world problems here. But um, I look at the change of what I'm going through, and then I was reminded of of a time when I was young. I was probably 12, 13 years old, maybe. Um, We had a man come to the church that I was a part of, and, and he was one of those evangelical... (laughs) <laughs> charismatic, prophetic um, characters. Uh, just a, he's a great, great guy. I mean, he left an impression on me. Um, I'll tell you that story later. That was the literal impression. Um, someday I'll share that with you. But the, um, the impression that he left with me was good. But what I wanted to share with you is that he, he seeded something that, the, that God spoke through him in my life. Now, he, he embarrassed the heck out of me <laughs> in the middle of a church service. And here I am. I'm just loving God. I'm worshiping. I'm totally into the message, which was a miracle because I was probably 13 at the time. And I, I just was so into what he was sharing. But then he stops in the middle of his time of ministry. And he points me out and he sets me up on chairs. 
He stacks up five chairs. He actually tells me to do this. Go stack up five chairs. And, he, and then he says, Let's stack up some more. And I'm like, all right. Like, uh, we don't have to clean up our chairs because we are in a service that, we you know, we don't, the chairs stay put. So it's like practice, but yeah. Okay, anyways. Uh, I go through this process of stacking these chairs, and he says to me, you are a leader, you are going to become a leader, and he didn't use the word pastor, but he was referring to it in that he told me to get up on the chairs, and he said, I want you to now preach, mighty man of God, something of that nature. And I was like shell-shocked, standing on the chairs, like literally sweating, I'm sure it was like pouring off my face at that time, and and. It was, it was an awkward experience, but it left an impression on me. It was, a, it was a promise. It was a promise that he spoke into my life, as awkward as it was for me at the time. I would never forget that. But you see, there were many things that took place after that moment where I really had to... I had to really think about the promise and how God was going to fulfill it. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. I thought about it all the time, and I wanted to run from that. <laughs> that was not what was comfortable to me. I was much more comfortable doing my own thing. That was the farthest, far, farthest thing from my mind to become a leader. Extroverts don't just, are not just automatic leaders, okay? Some people get that wrong. For me, people is, is natural. Like, I get recharged around people. But like, watching God take me, and then through my, the course of my life, ending up to where I am today, he showed me something. He said, I want you to share this message. Because in the midst of this period of time where the promise was spoken and the fulfillment, there was a lot of waves. There was a lot of turmoil. There, were, there was a lot of storm. And many of you have had promises like that spoken over your life. Who here has, you know, with, deep within your heart that God has spoken something to you either through an individual, and I'm not even just talking about calling or role that you play, but a promise that God has spoken, something very, very special to you. Do you raise your hand if God has spoken something like that to you? Yeah. In the midst of the fulfillment is where the storm and your conflict comes. And we have a choice to do things our own way, or we have a choice to be patient and wait on God. I was remembering Jeremiah 29.11. Many of you know this who have been believers for a long time. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, right this very moment, the promise is being developed. And many times we don't recognize that.
in the midst of change, we can lose hope. I mean, I will tell you, I certainly did lose hope in the process. Um, I, I tried to make things happen my own way. And I also chose to kind of back off. I didn't walk away from the Lord, but I just backed up when trying to make things happen a certain way. And those things did not happen. I backed up and I said, okay, well, maybe, maybe I need to do something else with my life. And so I kind of went a different direction. I was swayed in the storm. But the anchor, the anchor is what brings you back. Have you, you know what an anchor does. An anchor is that big, weighted, heavy piece of iron that gets dropped into the water and gets hooked on the ground below. It drags and it, it's that, it's heavy enough to keep a boat from going too far. But in this analogy, I, I, I kind of did one of these long, you know, it's like I was carried by the current, but the anchor was there. I just kept kind of doing one of these things, circling around it for years. And so I was carried by the current, and I was carried by the winds, and I was dashed back and forth, but still the anchor was God. And honestly, part of the rope was his promise. It's, it's the promises of God that we connect ourselves to the living God who has spoken it and it will fulfill it. How many of you today are struggling in that in-between part? How many of you are struggling in the in-between? For this series, we're going to be dealing with Hebrews 6.13. And I want to share with you why, why Hebrews. Why are we going to go to Hebrews? Which, this is interesting because uh, Hebrews was like written as a sermon to the Christian church. And it was, it was a write-up to encourage the body. But Hebrews 6 is so powerful because... Here he is, now a lot of people think it's Paul that wrote Hebrews, but it is very, very possible that Apollos, one of Paul's disciples, or Barnabas, wrote the book of Hebrews, because the writing is so different if you look at Hebrews versus a lot of the other books that Paul had written. What's interesting to me is that this was such an important book that it was included in our Bible. Let me explain to you why. We're, we're jumping into to chapter 6. And as opposed to having you read chapter 6, verse 1 through 13, I just want to kind of paraphrase and say that what the author is trying to get to us is that the foundation of your Christianity must be laid and you must stand on it and you must not change it. Okay? And stop focusing so much on the the, 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 the basic truths, the, 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 what he would call milk, but to, to yearn for maturity. Learn from it what it is to be a mature Christian is basically what his plea is for us. So he starts there saying, this is your foundation. Fo- like Yearn for what makes a believer mature. And then he shows up here in verse 13. I want to read it with you. You'll see it up on the screen too. For when God... This is verses 13 through 20. For when God made a promise to Abraham, 
Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. That is God swearing upon himself, saying, this is my oath to you. Boom. Saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. There's the promise. And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited, attained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves. And and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. Guys, an oath means accountability. Okay, we, we make oaths back and forth. We do it among each other. And when we don't fulfill it, who, who follows up with that? It's the community that follows up with that. God has no one greater to swear upon him. No one else, no one greater than him to swear upon. So he himself is saying this. And he says to Abraham, look, you're my community. I promise this and you're going to see it happen. This is the accountability. God was holding himself accountable to Abraham. That is a mind-blowing truth. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that encounters, sorry, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. We're focusing on this section of scripture because it's so important to us as our, in, within our faith. You see, Abraham was 70 years old when he was called by God from Ur out to make that move. Okay? He, he was... He was called out of where he was and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. So he pulls him literally out of his entire family. Um, it was essentially where God was moving him from was Baghdad, Iraq to where Israel is focused now. So it's a long journey. And the, see, the promise that he received was at age 75. You could read through the story of Abraham, with Abram at this time, It's found in Genesis 11 and takes you all the way through Genesis 21 and beyond. But he was given at the age of 75 the promise. To many of us today, that seems like, you know, I think that there's a stigma with age. (laughs) And I think that, you know, that's a worldly thing. That is not a godly thing. Okay? If God, if you're 75 today, and God drops you a vision, and God drops you a, a, a promise, hold fast and run after that like Caleb ran. You hold fast and you run, and you stay constant, and God will do great things. I believe in, in that God could use any man or woman of any age, race, or ethnicity, which is exactly the same thing. I just decided to kind of... But what he, said, what, what he can do with anyone is fulfill promise that he says he will do. He will do great things. I believe that revival can come 
in that way. A lot of people look to the younger guys, younger women, to bring forth revival. I, it's, it's in every single one of us today that God does the work and he works through us no matter how old, how young we are. But it posed an issue because Abram was like, nah, I'm 75 years old. So this is not a new concept. Even he was saying, there's nothing left in this, in this body. Sarai was 10 years younger than him, so she was 65, well beyond having kids. So it's interesting to me that it was about 11 years into the promise being fulfilled. Again, when he says that the promise is seated, it is being fulfilled from that day forward. A lot of us look to the very end of the promise and say, okay, there it is, it's been fulfilled, yay. But no, it's, it's the process that we all go through in that. And at 11 years in, at a place where he was not anchored, he failed in his walk. He failed in his faithfulness. He failed in going back to the anchor and he slept with his maidservant, his wife's maidservant and had Ishmael. He went out of the way of what God had said, I will do this with you and Sarai and because you wavered, now you have this Ishmael. And what's interesting to me is that going back to my time as a a uh, young man trying to figure out what it meant to fulfill, like I thought I had to fulfill it, the leadership thing. Um, at one point, I wavered, and I tried to get in with some traveling prophets. <laughs> it's like a circus. And, um, and, and God prevented me from doing that, but in the process, I got tremendously hurt. Got bitter, and I walked away from church. I didn't walk away from God, I just walked away from church. I even went to church and walked away. So if you guys are here in church and your hearts are not totally here, <laughs> I can totally get that. Because at that point in time, I had tried to make the promise come to pass. No one ever taught us how to be faithful in that process and letting God do his thing and then responding when God says, go here, do this believe here. I went out and tried to make it on my own, and I, I ended up with a bitter heart, which is kind of what happened with, with Ishmael. And God, even though loves, loves Ishmael. He loves Ishmael. Now, Ishmael birthed forth the entire nation of Islam. Okay, that's the lineage, if you go back and do the research on that. We deal with a, I, I want to be careful with my words, but we deal with, with pain, we deal with bitterness, we deal with this, we deal with unbelief, we deal with all these things because of one man's choice to try to change or try to make God's promise come to, come to pass with his, with, in his own strength. Hear me out. God loves Islam. I should say Muslims. Because I, don't, I, I want to be very clear with you guys. There's a difference between Allah and God. Amen? 
They are seeking God. But you have to understand God is in love with those people. So those that are seeking God are finding him through dreams and revelations and amazing miracles are taking place right now. We can celebrate in that. But I don't want to detract too far from the message here because I could go off. But I want to share with you that that's, that's uh, essentially what happened is he was in this place where he was not able to stay grounded. He was not able to stay anchored to God nor the promise. But afterwards, he was, he was dealt with. God corrected him. And Abraham patiently waited. Patiently and wait and obtain the promise. Patiently wait and obtain the promise. This is so important for us to be able to, when Colleen came up and said, be content, I was like, oh, that is exactly where we need to be, in a place where we can be at peace. Now, there are times where we can experience tremendous excitement as a body of believers and go, yeah, and worship and have a great time and get excited, but let us not get excited artificially. Let us get excited through the peace of God that resides in this house. And that's why I felt so strongly this morning that we needed just to be at peace. We needed to wait and have his presence come over us. And I don't, certainly in this body, I don't want to pull you guys along. But we're walking together in this, in this journey as a body of believers. So I'm excited because when I hear the word patiently wait, oh my goodness. And when I mean excited, I'm not. And this is totally being sarcastic. Who here hates to wait? <laughs> Yeah, all of us. We like, get it done. Let's make this happen. Let's move on to the next thing. I mean, God loves that. God loves, go get it, man. But don't run ahead. Don't run ahead of God. Where are you at right now with the promise that God has given you? Where are you in the process of seeing the fulfillment take place? Let me just say, do not be discouraged. Do not lose hope. Because I want you to hear a, a few things. We can't and should not doubt God. We live today in an instant society where 25 minutes honestly gives us heart attacks. <laughs> you know, especially with cell phones today. You know, we have our secondary brain. That's pretty much me. I have every, th every thought that I can think is on my phone. And, and if I need to get an answer, I don't ask anybody anymore. Google's my best friend. And so he and I sit down and we talk and, you know, instant answers right away. And uh, we get, we, we've created a place of anxiety for ourselves because of our desire to see the promise produces this friction. And it does not bring peace. What brings peace is patiently waiting on God. And when we can let go, 
and trust him, that's a whole different story. We actually will enjoy the process of the fulfillment. I want you to take down a couple of verses. Numbers 23.19 and Deuteronomy. Just write them down. You could read them later. I'm going to actually read them to you now. We'll start with Numbers 23.19. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? See, Deuteronomy 7, 8 through 9 says this, But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath. The promise is the oath. He is saying he is, he is keeping the oath, even in the midst of your waiting right now. Even in the midst of change. That he swore to our fathers. He is keeping the oath that he swore to our fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Number nine, verse nine, it says, Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I look back at who we are as Christians today and I say, thank you, God, that I'm actually living in the blessing of generations that have gone before me. Ministry here in Manchester is literally the promise of God given to men and women praying for this city coming to pass. The fact that we're here right now, so take this in. You are the fulfillment of promise that others have gone out before you and prayed for this city. And that is why so strongly I am going to stretch us as a, as a, believer, as a, as a group of believers to see how God is going to use us in this city. Because there was a promise, and I believe that when we are content and are, we're steadfast in this place of being at a peace with God, then he uses us. We, if we fight against God and we keep pushing, trying to make something happen, then what happens is we don't get anywhere. In fact, we create a bunch of Ishmaels in the process. It is so important that we, we patiently wait and obtain the promise fulfilled. Everything, every promise is true and will come to pass. God's promises are always, always. <laughs> what? Do you get that? They are always, always. It's like the yes and amen. Every promise in, in Jesus Christ is yes and amen. That means he's doing the work in you and you need to Understand and be cool with that. No matter how slow it's going. I think, uh, I think the most, from doing a little bit of research here, your 20s are the most stressful decade of your life because of the anxiety put on kids to become something in their 20s. The culture that has driven kids to, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do, be productive 
as people, but to become something that the world says you need to become. We have created this tremendous anxiety on people, and we, we forget that God can use you right now to live life and be fruitful. You don't have to have a title, and you don't have to do things the way that everybody else is doing them, to follow in like sardines into the packages, but literally to, to be at peace and wait patiently and enjoy where you are at in order to be used by God and make a difference in the world that you live in. God's timeline isn't our timeline. He is totally outside of time. And sometimes we got to like... God, translate me from this, like I'm sitting here drinking coffee, God. I need to be over here with you. But realize that where you are right now, the Spirit of God wants to come and commune with you. God's promises are always true. So, there's so much. And I just feel like the Lord just, He is... This literally has gone a completely different direction than what was written. But praise God on that. <laughs> I love how he does that. Guys, the bone structure is here, but he has his own way of putting muscles on the, on the uh, structure. He, uh, he's really speaking to me about how we are right here. Guys, don't laugh. I, I mean, I'm not that good looking. I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm trying to do the push-up thing. You know, got the little app that keeps me on board with that. I'm so bad, I haven't even done that, guys. But um, I have the app, it's great, it gives you reminders. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. Perfect example. If you didn't hear what what uh, Stephen said was that sometimes we're stuck in the future or stuck in the past and not in the present. Amen? Awesome. I'm going to write that in right now. Because that's exactly the case. When we are not content, we are hoping for something more or we are stuck with what we had or we want to reattain. And God is saying, look, right here with me right now, I want to commune with you, and it's all about the relationship. If we don't have a lifeline to the anchor, we have nothing. It's a boat without an anchor. The anchor's on the floor, guys, but you have just drifted off. Thank you, because that is the rope that connects. You need to be in the here and now and love what he's doing in the process of the, of the promise and fulfillment. And he's doing it to develop who you are as a person. Your character. Your character is so important to God. So no matter how much the change brings difficulty, we are not creatures of change, we're creatures of being put. I mean, there are some individuals that love to, to have change and they make change all the time for themselves but this is not what I'm talking about so you see we need to be a people that are filled with the anticipation 
of the promise fulfilled. But not the anxiety of it that comes from doubt. I want to take you back to, uh, let's see here, if you put up, I think it's the second half, Liz, of the scriptures. Okay, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. That is your hope right now. Your hope is that God cannot lie. And so let me share with you a few things. I want you guys to just be in a place right now that you could receive from him a few of the promises that he has already spoken. Do you? There are over two, 3,000 promises spoken in Scripture regarding you specifically. He has said 3,000 things to us that we need to research for ourselves and hear and receive from him. Here's a few, here's just four promises I want to share with you. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 29. You could write these down because I want you to go back. I'm going to share them with you, but I want you to, to get into the Bible. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 29. Come to me, all you who are, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Guys, we tend to go at a hundred miles per hour. Our lives are like never-ending speed wagons (laughs) that have a race to finish. We've kind of set the determining lines for when it's finished, but really God says, actually, I want you to come in alignment with me and race on my track, (laughs) not on your own. I want you to rest in me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Gosh, what God can do with people like that. With people who could be humble. It's amazing. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will, will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength, and they will soar on high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and will not faint. That's another promise to you. John fourteen twenty seven says, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Oh, goodness. Just receive that. Receive that. That he would give you peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Romans 10, verse 9. This is the most important one that I would say is a promise to each and every one of you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Powerful. I love it. Let's take a moment here and pray. Let's, let's seek God here.
Touch your Bibles. Let's, let's do this. Father, you are so good. Um, I am humbled by the way that you love to direct us and guide us. You have spoken to us very clearly, Lord, that we need to be in a place of rest. Wow, is this so timely? In the midst of us as a congregation being going through the change, we've gone through so much change already, and then going further into more change, and it seems like, God, you know, do I come off the, do I come off the, uh, the, the tracks here? But no, Father, you are good. And I'm going to rest in you. And as the, the pastor in this campus, I'm going to rest in you. And I'm going to show others that we need to rest as a congregation. To be together in unity. To, to love on each other and be okay with the promise in being worked out. We're in this middle ground. And Father, it is so good that you are the one pastoring us through this. He says, come with me. Train with me. Learn from me. Take on my yoke and, and learn. And God, that is exactly what we need to do here today. I love being in your presence, hearing from you. Lord, for each and every one of the, the people that are sitting in the seats with me here, your, your sons and your daughters, I ask in Jesus' name that you will flood them with peace of mind and heart. God, that we can rejoice in today. God does not desire to burn any one of us out. <laughs> and oftentimes we're running ahead of him if that's what's happening. But Lord, we are going to be content with exactly where we are today and not striving for what is tomorrow or desiring what was in the past. But we are going to put our trust in you today and commune with you. And so, Father, with open hands and open hearts, Lord, we say yes to you. Jesus, we, we lay down our desires, our way of thinking. Thank you for what you're doing in and through us. And I pray that just as you desire to confirm your promise to the heirs of the promise, to confirm your goodness, I pray that you would speak to each heart here right now. That they would hear your voice, God, that they would hear you speak directly to them where they're at. This is a church that's going to be known for the presence of God. This is a church that's going to be known for being obedient to you. Thank you, God. And you will, will fill our hearts with gladness. And you will fill our hearts with joy that is unceasing. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you and praise you for the work you are doing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, it's funny. I, I, I've always struggled. I could always get the 
truck moving on the message, but how to bring the, the airplane home for the landing has always been, you know, probably one of my strongest uh, struggles in teaching. But I can tell you that God is doing something with us as a body, and he's preparing us for change, and he wants to shake us up. And this is going to be good, but be anchored to him who has said he will do the work. We know the promise. He said plant, and we planted. We are going to walk with him through this season and see what he's going to do because what he does is far better than what we can do on our own, in our own strength. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com. Thank you.